Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Lawrence Thompson. How's it going today, Charles? Living the dream Yeah, this President's Day. You're about to live the dream. Going to leave here and go play golf today, like the most stereotypical CEO move you could make. That's what all business owners do. Thanks, well, Alexander the Average, for pointing it out. Uh, you have to keep your golf game sharp. Where the money's made, you're going to be making deals out there, contacts, you know, signing signing contracts with people, wheeling like and that. dealing. It's uh, it's President's Day, which is why you're going to play golf because you're president. And so, what else are you going to do? You know, I was going to ask, what's everyone's favorite president out there? Do you have one? Let us know on the Discord, which you join by going to GoodMorningLiberty.locals.com, if you have one. I don't know if I have one. I guess I'd have to say George Washington because he gave up his presidency when they wanted him to be a king. That's really all I got. Yeah. That's it. That and Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, FDR did so many good things, you know, got us out of a depression. Yeah. yeah. He put people like you in <laughs> put camps. My, put my family in camps, you know, all those good things that he did. Uh, Just, you know, one of the first times I ever looked into any, say, Austrian economics was when I was in college and I had to do a paper on Woodrow Wilson. I never looked into him at all. And I started reading up about all this stuff that happened while he was president. And I was like, oh, what's up with this? I started reading about the Federal Reserve. Come to find out it wasn't all positive stuff online about the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's how it started right there was I was supposed to write a glowing paper about Woodrow Wilson, and instead I was like, uh, this might have been the worst president I've ever seen. Him and FDR. I don't know which one. Anyway, happy President's Day, it's, everyone. It's pretty bad. Speaking of President's Day, Truth Social just launched today. That's right. On President's Day. As so <laughs> if, you are in, if you are on Truth Social uh, by now, I don't know if you... My personal account has not yet been approved. Yeah. Um, I'm still on the waiting list. For my personal account, I I couldn't get just Charlie. That was already taken. So I I am at Charlie Liberty. And uh, yeah, lots of people getting error. I'm trying to upload a video getting an error. But Good Morning Liberty was approved mm-hmm. pretty quickly. We tried to put up a video already, and it just keeps saying that there's an error and they yeah. can't. the upload failed. So I hope we don't run into all the same problems that we've ran into with all the other social media apps out there. Probably will. Till they work the kinks out. Probably will, I Hopefully guess. with the money and stuff that they already have. I believe they say they have like $1.2 billion. They should be able to to get enough people to to um, hopefully work out the kinks. We'll see, but uh, go find us on there. Be one of our first followers, and you will get a special prize to, that will be later named. T- on TBD. Truth Social. We'll tell you on Truth Social what the prize is going to be 
one year from now. Okay. And it's posted the truth, so, so you know it's the truth. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Exactly. It was. A, do you call it a truth when you post? It, it is a truth. Because my and first... When you, and when you, like, repost something from somebody else, it's called a re-truth. <laughs> By the way, Charlie's first post idea was better than mine. I posted one. I thought it was funny. I said, is this thing on? I thought that was good. Charlie's first one that he tried to do was a uh, new phone who dis, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good, but I beat him with the first post. Okay. At we, Good Morning Liberty. We had news. Where uh, we're at there. P- people are safer now in Canada. They can finally open, reopen their businesses because the virus of fascism and white supremacy has finally been extinguished. It's not even endemic. It's uh, They've taken it away. There in Canada. So the Charlie, Nazis have been quarantined. The first the first story goes to you. This is from the New York Post. So the Ottawa cops clear out the last Freedom Convoy protesters after 24 days. Ottawa police attempted to clear out the remaining Freedom Convoy demonstrators on Sunday, ending a 24-day occupation of the city centers to protest COVID-19 vaccine mandates. At least two people were arrested as police moved into the logistics camp and removed the last vehicles occupying the area, according to the Ottawa Citizen. The convoy of trucks had caused traffic backups in the city for weeks. A total of 191 protesters were arrested and 57 vehicles were towed since police began forcibly removing them on Friday. By the way, I, I heard that all the tow trucks had like their names blocked out. Did they? Yeah. I didn't know. see that. And they were wearing masks and stuff. Mm, so you mm. couldn't tell who they were. The camp located in a city parking lot on Coventry Road amassed roughly 100 vehicles. Across the street, several tents have been erected for meetings and meals, as well as a trailer with heated toilets and two saunas, the paper reported. They had saunas. Heated toilets and two saunas. How about that? Man. Officials are concerned that protesters, many of them truckers, will regroup outside the capital and come back, shutting the city down again. That's why they're going to keep a lot of them permanently detained, I bet, just awaiting trial for the next five years. Quote, we are trying to keep tabs on those that are leaving and potentially massing to come back, the police chief Steve Bell said at a press conference Sunday. On that same day, Ottawa police said businesses should feel comfortable reopening following the weeks-long demonstration. On Saturday, police used pepper spray and stun grenades to remove those who remained, clearing most of the area in front of Parliament and next to the Prime Minister's office. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people really, really upset about them using pepper spray and stun grenades to clear out this uh, super violent, terrible protest Mm -hmm. that was going on. Just making sure. So, quote, we told you to leave, Ottawa police said in a tweet Saturday. We gave you time to leave. We were slow and methodical, yet you were assaultive and aggressive with officers and horses. Animal cruelty. It is. From the protesters. Most of those arrested were slapped with mischief charges, and dozens of vehicles had been towed, including all those blocking one of Ottawa's major streets, authorities said. Hey, man, what'd you get in trouble for? Oh, just a little bit of mischief. You know, sometimes I I get into mischief. I just got into a little bit of mischief. Is it uh, in Home Alone where he goes, uh, we all do. (laughs) Uh, You know, we had a bit of a nuanced conversation about this last week, you know, me and you, Charlie. I, I, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the podcast too. What do you guys think in the live group? Um, what, how do we reconcile what we've said about blocking 
streets and roadways and the freedom of travel and all of that with our support of what these truckers were doing. That's what, that's what I'd like to hear from everyone is how you're taking care of that in your head. Is that causing any cognitive dissonance? I'm not going to say that the, you know, there's not a little bit of a conflict with things that we've said there before that you don't, you're blocking the people's freedom to travel on these here public roads. And so you need to be removed from the roads. I think this is a little bit different situation. Uh, there's a couple different things. Uh, one thing I said when we were talking about it last week was they, they're not going to cars that are on the road and surrounding them and blocking them from leaving and being threatening or anything like that. Like they've basically blocked off an area as if there were a trucker festival going on in the middle of town. <laughs> like that's, you know, if the city wants to have a giant music festival, they'll probably close off the same streets that are closed off right now. Uh, we see that in Nashville all the time. You go through there and the entire downtown is blocked off. You can't drive through there. And so it's fine when they do it for that reason. Uh, I think that this is also a little different in that some of the protests that happened over 2020 were an attempt to get the government to force other people to do things. And in this case, it was an attempt to stop the government from forcing people to do things. So I do think there's a different principle that's going on right here. But I mean, what do you think? I disagree a little bit, only in the fact when we first started talking about this, and and I obviously agree with their cause. Um, but when we first started talking about this, my principle always stems from um, the right of self ownership, and that that extends into your rights end where another person's begins. And so I do have a right to protest, and I have a right to let's say, you know, not drive my truck anymore or whatever it is, but blocking people's, you know, freedom of travel. This is what I said during BLM, what I've said for every protest. I just don't see it. Um, and you can make an argument that it's public roads or whatever. I just don't see actually blocking people's freedom to get places. Um, the freedom of travel is, is correct in this case. So for me, I understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. I understand why BLM was doing what they were doing and, and why they were doing it. I disagree with, with how they were doing it. Yeah. You know, they could have still allowed people to freely treat, freely um, move about, not close businesses down, and sat out there and protested. You could have parked your truck somewhere and said, I'm not driving it. Here it is, packed full of goods. I'm not delivering them uh, without blocking the streets. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I I don't know if the rules, it, if there should be a little bit more subjectivity introduced into some of this. Like what 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 do you do? Eventually, something's going to have to be done to stop the tyrannical state from becoming any more tyrannical. It's true. So, but look, th- what Joe says here, and this is the problem with identity politics. Okay. He says, you don't have a right to block roadways, but we can't have a two tier system. What's okay for one group must be allowed for every other group. This is the problem with identity politics and why the the divide is increasing so much is because like, Oh, well, BLM did it. So I'm going to do it too. I have just as a right to be just as much of an asshole as they are because I want to get my way. And that to me, you don't fight hate with hate. Yeah. It won't work. It never will work. And I understand the eye for an eye, blood for a blood, tooth for tooth analogies, okay? 
a tooth for an eye or whatever you want to call it, an arm for a leg. That's a, yeah. That's what my dad would That's say, probably. <laughs> yeah. Since he he already have, made that bargain a couple times. Since he doesn't have any legs. But um, I, I understand that argument, and I, I feel that sometimes. I get so angry and frustrated. But the problem is, is if you act that out, and this is kind of stealing a little bit from Jordan Peterson here, but if you act that out and see what happens, like everything gets worse. Everything is getting worse. It's not getting better. So we we have to be we have to take a better approach and you can't compromise principles to prove a point. Yeah. Otherwise then who are you? You're you're an unprincipled person. You you are just as malleable as everyone else and can make up and you can justify your actions for whatever reason. Uh, which makes you no better than the other side. And so that that to me is where I have trouble. Com- like I can't compromise my principles. Yeah. I can't compromise and say, well, I'm mad at the BLM protest because they were blocking roadways and they were also looting and stuff, which I don't think this protest was doing. They weren't burning down buildings and looting, which is definitely way better. Uh, but blocking people's freedom of movement, I disagree with. Everything else, completely agree with. Them getting money, supporting them, all of those things, completely agree with. I complete, I agree with their cause. All of those things. So I think it's, I think it's the blocking of the roads. Now, I also disagree with them uh, getting arrested and, and those types of things. Well, what do you do? I mean, you, could you tow, said that they can't do you could, that. You so could what tow do you do? the trucks. Yeah. You could tow the trucks. I got you. But... Well, you heard it here first, Charlie coming out against the Freedom Convoy. <laughs> and I know a reason you know, that he's against it is because he read this article from the Washington Post. This is what turned me. Yeah, this obviously. one right here. This is uh, this is what made the big shift. This isn't dumb bleep of the week or anything. It's just Monday and we're just talking about stuff. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Listen, relationships take work. We all know that. And we all know that we would drop everything to go help someone that we care about. Just think someone in your family or one of your friends is going through a tough time. You do anything to help them. But how often do you give yourself the same treatment? This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, the one you have with yourself. Whether it's hitting the gym, making time for that haircut, or even trying therapy. You are your greatest asset. So invest the time and effort into yourself like you do for other people. Now, Charlie has been using BetterHelp for quite a long time. He has really enjoyed it. I've used it as well. And let me tell you, some of the most important moments of my life happened when I was talking to someone about what was going on. I still remember the things that I was told to this day. Just imagine if you could get that same thing and how much it would help. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Good Morning Liberty listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com GML. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. The auto, from the, from the WAPO, the Ottawa trucker convoy is rooted in Canada's set, settler colonial history. 
That's, all about uh, white supremacy. It's folks. all about white supremacy. While the convoy supporters have characterized the protest as peaceful movement, uninformed by politics, race, religion, or any personal beliefs, many supporters have been associated with or expressed racist, Islamophobic, and white supremacist views. Mm. In Ottawa, various reports captured maskless pro various, various reports captured maskless protesters brandishing Confederate, Nazi, and Trump 24, 2024 flags. Those are all the same, mm-hmm. by the way. Confederate. First of all, they're maskless. And then there's Confederate, Nazi, and Trump 2024 flags. All at the same time. <laughs> yep. Police have launched dozens of criminal investigations and made at least 20 arrests, including for carrying weapons in a public place and assault. The history of Canadian settler colonialism and public health demonstrates how both overt white supremacist claims and seemingly more inert nationalistic claims about unity and freedom both enable and erase ongoing harm to marginalized communities. So they go through this. There are several paragraphs here where they go through Canada's history and their settler colonialism and all of the native people that they pushed off their lands and treated like crap and all that. So they go through the whole thing. And the basic idea you're supposed to have is that white people have this sense of historical freedom in Canada, but that wasn't extended to everyone else. And so their sense of this freedom comes from their white supremacist Mm -hmm. backgrounds, essentially. That's right. Canadian liberalism character. Hang on, before you continue on, Joe wants to know what were the weapons. We don't know for sure, but they were probably Glocks. Yeah. Weapons of war. With 40 rounds. With 40 round magazines. Mm -hmm. Weapons of war. probably what they were because they they were carrying them in public. And Mm -hmm. so Uh, (laughs) you could, one could only assume they were Glocks. High capacity ammunition. Mm -hmm. Each, each round. Had extra powder. Had, was high, but packed to the brim. <laughs> the powder was falling yes. out mm-hmm. of the projectile yeah. of the casing. You know the thing. Uh, Canadian liberalism characterized citizens as free, encouraging them through social programs to cultivate autonomy and individualism. Mm. You, they encourage people through social programs to cultivate autonomy and individualism. Participation in modern Canada and its notions of freedom was encouraged both for settlers and indigenous populations. But while liberalism underpinned white Canadian prosperity, participation came with extreme costs to individual and collective health and well-being of indigenous peoples. Okay, so once again, the only reason these white people feel like they have any entitlement to freedom is because of what was done to people in history. The Canadian government, both at the federal and provincial levels, has, inter- has intervened much less assertively into the public and private lives of white settlers. Physicians and public health officials have associated disease and resulting mandates with groups broadly viewed as others. Yet while impacts from coronavirus itself have been shaped by race, class, and gender, Canadian public health mandates make no such distinction. These are free and fair mandates equally imposed upon all people, regardless of their race and sex, all of that stuff. The primarily white supporters of the Freedom Convoy argue that pandemic mandates infringe upon their constitutional rights to freedom. The notion of freedom was historically and remains intertwined with whiteness. 
As, histor- as historian Tyler Stovall has argued, the belief that one's entitlement to freedom is a key component of white supremacy. This explains why the Freedom Convoy members see themselves as entitled to freedom, no matter the public health consequences to those around them. I'm going to just, okay. The notion of freedom was historically and remains intertwined with whiteness. The belief that one's entitlement to freedom is a key component of white supremacy. This explains why the Freedom Convoy see themselves as entitled to freedom. Canada's history of freedom was founded in the unfreedom of indigenous people. The only reason you have this freedom was because of the freedoms that were taken away from other people. This dynamic has been unnoticed and misconstrued by organizers, attendees, and supporters of the Freedom Convoy. On the GoFundMe, which was shut down, the organizers claimed we are a peaceful country that has helped protect nations across the globe from tyrannical governments who who oppressed their people, and now it seems it is happening here. We are doing this for our future generations and to regain our lives back. They are advancing a settler colonial genealogy that deploys the language of freedom and unity while engaging in actions that are harmful and violent. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. It, so, yeah, oppressive freedom. That's right, Miles. Sometimes freedom just gets way too oppressive. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I like how they also said mostly white, mm-hmm. by the way. Canada's yeah. black population is 3.5%. Ooh, okay. 3.5% of their population is black. Oh, uh, statistically, it so, would end up being mostly white if it were a fair representation of the entire population. At a concert, a festival, a BLM <laughs> protest, yeah. they would all be mostly white because <laughs> yeah. Canada's mostly white. So it doesn't matter what they what they have. Mm-hmm. It's just most... Now, see, that's a truth that's missing context there. Well, you could post it on Truth Social, though. That'd be fine. Exactly. Just post that out there. <laughs> um, this stuff right here is uh, annoying. It's dangerous. Uh, the idea that... first it's off, misinformation? That you have to look back in history to what people generations and generations ago did and say that those people were oppressive to others and white people had freedom and other people didn't. And so if you are white and you think you should have freedom right now, then that stems from all the terrible things that happened to people of other races in history. It's a ridiculous assertion, and it's just purely an argument that you shouldn't have freedom. That's that's what it is. That if you want freedom, that you're just a white supremacist. You're just like all of these other colonial settlers out there. That's it. I know it's hard to fathom, but freedom equals slavery. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's uh, freedom is slavery. War is peace. Yeah. That's uh, ignorance of strength. That's, that's, uh, I read that in a book one time. Mm. So uh, it definitely makes sense. Because make America great again or make Canada great again, either, either way you spin it, because people in Canada were having Trump 2024 yeah. flags. Either way, what they are saying is they want to go back to a time, to mm. an antebellum period. <laughs> That's what they want. <laughs> They're probably blasting Lady A on through yeah. their truck speakers. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they're they're looking for this antebellum period back when white people were free to move about and uh, all the other colored folks were made to you know work for the white people. Um that's which you know, is a ridiculous notion. You know, the other the thing if the um if the white supremacist trucker convoy gets the mandates removed 
it would also remove the mandates for people of all colors. I'm not saying remove mandates for, for white, white people. Exactly. <laughs> no mandates for whitey, I think, was on a sign up there. No, that's not the case. They're trying to remove the mandates for everyone. Yeah, let people have the choice Yeah, of what, of what they want to do. So, anyway. Well, that's... Uh, y'all make sense of that if you can. Don't bleep of the weekend right there, sponsored by WAPO. We'll put the link in the show notes. This next one's up from Vox. Um, which is going to be interesting, folks. The health system isn't ready for an advanced cancer surge. That's not a that's not a very exciting mm. article title. So, Steve Serrero, chief of gastroenterology, gastroenterology, at a hospital in Monroe Valley, California, just lived through the fourth wave of COVID nineteen with the Omicron variant sweeping across the country. Patients in respiratory distress once again filled the hospital's beds. But it is another wave, one that's starting to trickle in, but it's still a long way from cresting, that Sararo, Saro, it's probably Saro, worries about most. He fears that the delayed diagnoses of various cancers and other chronic life-threatening illnesses, the result of COVID-19's disruption to the routine checkups and screenings, will be the next crisis that overwhelms the U.S. health system. So now, that's, is, that's craziness. Quote, our next surge will be advanced chronic disease. Sarah told me over the phone, that's going to be the next surge of patients who overwhelm our system. I don't think our systems are ready. Now, what he's talking about here, something we have talked about, which is because of the pandemic and all the regulations and everything they shut down and made people afraid to leave their homes, Cancer screenings, uh, heart screenings, all the routine checkups that people were doing, routine surgeries that people were having and all that was completely shut down. The system was only available to COVID-19 pandemic people or people who were actively dying. There was no preventative measures or regular checkups or anything like that basically going on. And so, uh, on top of that, it wasn't just a lot of hospitals, they were shut down. Uh, for things like that, but also people were just scared to go yes. do it. And they were discouraging people from going to the hospitals. And people didn't want to go out. They didn't want to go anywhere because they were so scared of this thing that was going to kill them if they went there. And I'm sure if you go to a hospital and, uh, you know, maybe you got a higher chance of getting COVID if you go over to the hospital. But there's going to be uh, there's going to be trade-offs. They're going to happen here. We, we covered this when we were talking about other ways that people die. Mm -hmm. There are other things that kill people. Cancer, heart disease is the number one killer. Your, your heart's going to attack and kill you one day. Mm -hmm. All right? So you watch out for that. Because that thing that keeps you alive will just all of a sudden attack and kill you. It's a ticking time bomb. It is. Yeah. So, and uh, now uh, the, the health system won't be able to withstand the surge of patients who overwhelm our system it's not going to be ready for all these advanced chronic diseases that are going to come up because people weren't getting their diseases checked. Mm. And also because we probably fired a lot of nurses. And you got to check your a diseases. Lot of, a lot of healthcare professionals quit. I hear every day they're all going to different jobs. And, you know, Amazon and Amazon and Microsoft and a bunch of tech companies are hiring a bunch of nurses right now, which uh, is hilarious, I mm -hmm. think, because they're taking advantage of the healthcare system screwing over their healthcare workers. And you know, if you hire a nurse, you'll get a good, um, but you'll get a good worker usually because they are very hard workers. What the tech 
companies are doing. They're very smart. They're developing technology because they believe telehealth and other things are going to be um, a modern practice because of what happened during the pandemic. And so they're ramping up their development of these technologies. Uh, Amazon is starting something called Amazon Care uh, for their employees, but I'm sure after that it'll branch out. So they're hiring doctors, nurses, other healthcare professionals. They're hiring uh, other clinicians like nurses and doctors to assist in developing workflow and uh, their software systems because they need the clinicians and all of this. So you're seeing a massive shift and, and they'll pay them, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars a year for their work rather than fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year that nurses are currently making. This is an interesting shift that we haven't talked about when we talked about how the free market would solve some of these problems. Now you're seeing some of these businesses that have so many employees when you're talking about Amazon, I think it's up to 1.2 or 3 million now employees. We've got a massive amount of people there, and there's a demand for healthcare from those people. You could just end up having in-house healthcare for those people and maybe save on all of the health benefits that you're providing to them if you actually have the healthcare in-house mm-hmm. as well. So this is a interesting... Cut the middlemen's. Yeah. The, a lot of middlemen. Yeah, middlemen. Middlemen's. Middlemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what they say. You're going to cut out the insurance. You'll cut out the the doctors and nurses and facilities, and you'll just have it all in house. Mm-hmm. Makes so much sense. Pretty because cool. When you have that many employees, you have a small village. Do you think that the uh, the WalMarts that end up having Walmart Health? I mean, how easy is it going to be for the workers who work at that Walmart to use that Walmart Health as their clinic that they go to for things, and as their pharmacy, which I'm sure a lot of people that work there already do. They're going to be able to cut a lot of costs by doing that. <laughs> I, saw, Sorry, I saw that. Costco yeah. says, a colonoscopy from home. Bend over and the doctor zooms in. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. no, the camera's not connected to Zoom. Please connect the camera. Anything else in here? Um, yeah, we can go through a little bit of this. Um, so new diagnoses. So, so here's the numbers on this. New diagnoses declined by 13 to 23%, depending on the cancer. That's just for cancer. And that's not because there was less cancer in the world, but because less of it was being detected. The screening backlog is still growing by the end of 2020, according to the recent study, albeit at a slower rate. I think we are absolutely in uncharted territory. Uh, There are no examples I know of where we have seen numbers change this dramatically. When cancer gets diagnosed late, it's less likely a patient's doctors can successfully intervene and the patient is more likely to die. What? Mm -hmm. You're telling me people die from cancer? I thought it was only from COVID. Mm. Mm. It may take years for the consequences to become clear. The collateral damage of a pandemic that has killed more than 900,000 Americans could grow even more. We could be years into this before we know there's a problem and we've already lost a lot of people. Now, they're framing this as this is going to be the collateral damage of the COVID pandemic. But we know that a lot of it's going to be the collateral damage of the response to the the decisions of governments around the world. Yeah. And of people and just the the amount of fear that was put into people that they were so scared that they wouldn't go do normal checkups for things. And they were scared of getting something depending on their age, that could have had a much less than a percent to a couple percent uh, likelihood of them dying if they got it. And now they could end up getting something that they're going to have a 
50% chance of dying if they get it. And if it's caught late, a, a pretty high chance of dying. So there, there are always trade-offs and there's more than one way that people can die. And that's... Well, you just took take a look at the numbers globally. I mean, we have 100 to 150 million more people that were pushed back below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. You have 100 to 150 million people that are now on the edge of starvation. You have, uh, who knows, these are just the rates for America. Who knows what the other cancer screenings and other things that are going on around the world. Uh, so how many more people are going to die because of the response to the pandemic? Now, is it possible that more people could have died from COVID had we done nothing? Possibly. We won't know that answer. Is it possible that more people are going to die because of the response that we had? Likely. I can I, now say Likely. I think over time, it's going to take a, what people have to realize is, you know, we've looked at the uh, the all-cause mortality, all that, the overall amount of deaths and how much they went up, how many people died from COVID, all this stuff. And and we've talked about numbers like suicide and drug overdose and, and all of that. There's a lot of other things that are going to accrue over two, three, four, five years where there's going to be extra deaths from things like this, where it's not just going to be one single year but where we had 900,000 people die from this pandemic and then we see three, four years go by and a lot more people dying from cancer and heart disease and all these things that could have been treated earlier on, but people weren't going because they were scared. Uh, I do think that we're going to end up with uh, a higher total from all of those at, say, in a span of five years than what we've had right now from COVID. I think that's going to happen. But not to fear, when Jeff posted this in the group for us, I want to give a shout out to our president, Joe Biden, our Lord and Savior, Mm. Joe. Uh, This is a quote for him from Joe. We read this a couple weeks ago. I've worked so hard in my career that I promise you, if I'm elected president, you're going to see the single most important thing that changes America. We're going to cure cancer. That was Joe Biden's promise on the campaign trail. We'll see. They'll hold that one off for a few months before the election. Yeah. Probably. The, the, so there's no reason to worry about the rise in cancer detection. There's a lot of promising things going out there with cancer right now, too. You know, they got mRNA technology. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> they just, uh, they've been conducting a really wide scale test of, uh, of mRNA technology and, um, and we'll see how they're able to do with the, with the cancer vaccines. That was the original intent behind it. And uh, there's a lot of other stuff out there that people are working on. My wife works for a cancer research hospital, and she tells me about some of the cool stuff that they have going on. Most of it's going to end up being financial, whether whether or not they're able to do it. So um, you got tells you all else? the stuff you're allowed to know. She yeah. can't tell you the stuff she's doing for the CIA. I can probably get the number of um, late stage cancers that they're the test. She told me the numbers were way up when I was talking to her a few months ago about it. She said it was just skyrocketing. So I, I might sneak to her computer when she's not looking sometime and pull those numbers. <laughs> Kidding. That's that's illegal right there. I'm not going to do that. No way. I don't know her password anyway. Yeah. Probably password. <laughs> okay. Back a to zero and a one. Back to a little bit of uh, other just sad, <laughs> sad Monday politics. This stuff's a little bit more frustrating to me. BLM privilege. BLM privilege and the J6 Capitol riot. Shame. Shame. From the New York Post. Now, did you hear about it? We didn't talk about it because I was wanting to get some more info, some more details. Did you hear about that Quintez Brown, the guy that tried to kill the uh, mayoral candidate in Kentucky? I did hear about that. 
Yeah. Um, not a ton of news about that. Of course, we could have made plenty of viral TikTok videos talking about how the script would have been way different if just a couple colors had been changed. Yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a little bit. It would have been a completely different script. But luckily for everyone on the left, uh, this was uh, self-contained. <laughs> so from New York Post, when prominent young far-left activist Quintez Brown was arrested last week, for trying to assassinate a Jewish mayoral candidate in Kentucky. He was portrayed sympathetically by the media and immediately bailed out of jail by his BLM comrades who crowdfunded, crowdfunded the $100,000 cost. Now, that, that's another crazy thing. Was the guy getting bailed out of jail so quick, all right? I mean, and it's, I think it's pretty clear that he was the one who tried to kill this person. And are they... Are, are we doxing the people that raise money for his bail fund at all? The people who donate money to BLM where someone just tried to kill someone and now they're going to use that money to bail someone who just tried to murder someone out of jail? No. Did we shut down the GoFundMe for that? No, I don't think they use GoFundMe for it, but they... Um, I saw another thing uh, about this with where Epstein had sold and, and abused children and his bank accounts were never frozen. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, I am against... I'm against bail in nonviolent times. And uh, if you've got a video of someone doing something or or uh, the person who was uh, shot at or whoever is like, yeah, I know the guy, you know, he's uh, running for city council or whatever, like that's the, that's the guy that did it. I think that if someone just tried to murder someone, you can have, you can have bail. Well, and it's uh, rooted in the Fifth Amendment. Yeah. So yeah. bail uh, cannot be, un, uh, the, bail cannot be set. Uh, I can't remember the exact. There's other things like drug crimes and crap like that. Like the, I just think it's, yeah, I don't, I don't see holding people in a cage. Uh, I, just, I just don't like that. I don't like that idea. I think that there's room for nuance when it comes to violent crimes. Brown, 21, had BLM privilege. He was a celebrated gun control advocate, anointed as a rising star by the Obama Foundation. He was an honored guest on Joy Reid's show. He was granted a bi-weekly opinion column in the Louisville Courier-Journal and uh, to spew boilerplate leftist race-based anti-cop sentiment. But none of this was a problem for GoFundMe, which routinely cuts off crowdsourced donations to nonviolent Canadian truckers and nonviolent January 6th defendants, but never intervenes with BLM's cash. And that, so they're talking a lot about January 6th here and think what you will about J6 and all of that stuff, but there's, it. it's a lot of people. Yeah, J6, that's now, what, right? what the kids six? are saying these days, you know, J6. It just saves time. But now that we've talked about it for a while, you can make the argument that we actually spent more time explaining what J6 meant. Mm. So actually, did we save time? I could have just said January 6th, you know? Maybe you can save time in the future, though. Yeah. From now on, here, here to therefore named J6. And when I say that, what I mean is January 6th, and that is in an effort to save time on the podcast because we spend too much time saying unnecessary W's. So J6, a day which will live in infamy. Yeah, it's worse than 9-11 and Pearl Harbor and all that, all that stuff, you know. So you'll get a lot of people from J6 that are still in jail right now. They're going to be in jail. They've been in jail since then. They're going to be in jail forever to come. I, I just think that they have a point here that, that New York Post has a has a point that this BLM privilege, it's really leftist collectivist privilege is what you get inside of this system right now. 
And as long as for the right cause. Yeah, it's got to be the right cause. And in this, I don't know what the cause was because what they've done now is they've decided to say, well, he's a social justice activist with mental health issues. That's what it is. So he deserves to be bailed out of jail. And so, uh, you know, he's a gun control advocate and he tried to kill someone with a gun, tried to kill a guy running for mayor with a gun. Really staunch gun control ac- uh, advocate. I wonder if maybe that uh, had something to do with it, you know? Just make things so bad that you're actually fighting for your cause when you do that. Anyway, not trying to go all Alex Jones on everyone right now. No one has doxed the donors to BLM's Louisville Community Bail Fund like they did the people who donated to the Canadian truckers or the Kyle Rittenhouse. The WAPO didn't go phoning BLM donors, asking them to explain themselves like they did the trucker donors. Instead, the official narrative about Brown was immediately shaped in his favor. He's depicted as a social justice activist with mental health issues, and blame for the shooting was initially attributed on social media to white supremacists. That is true. I saw that. Yeah. The Las Vegas Sun. Not only was it not his fault. Yeah. And he accidentally had a gun. It was white supremacist's fault. The Las Vegas Sun published an editorial saying the shooting comes amid a rise in threats against politicians fueled by increasingly violent rhetoric coming from extremist Republicans. (laughs) By contrast, we're supposed to believe that the J6 riots were the worst attack on American democracy since the Civil War. You guys know it. It's just like ISIS, that whole thing. Even though uh, the 2020 BLM riots resulted in uh, 15 times more injured police officers, 30 times as many arrests, and estimated damages in dollar terms up to 1,300 times more costly than those of the Capitol riot. And it would be way more than that if they didn't highly overvalue the Capitol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we know and, that, and the people in it. We know that that was a $25 million window they broke through. So uh, it was probably way more than that. So are we at like a really weird time here where there's different tiers of a legal just uh, a, a justice system here, Chuck? Yeah. Yeah, that is that is true. I'm rereading 1984 right now, and it's so interesting. Yeah, and that seems to be what's taking place. Mm. So the Ministry of Truth <laughs> is here telling you guys what to believe, and that's the the corporate media, uh, by and large, and uh, the politicians as well. And so they spin a narrative um, depending on what cause you're trying to advance. Shooting up a baseball full of Republican senators is fine. Republican senators and congressmen. Try a, an attempt of the life of a, a Republican uh, Kentucky mayor candidate. Uh, Democrat, actually. I Democrat? Think. Yeah. Who's white mm. uh, or looks whitish. Yeah, he's, he's not white. He's Jewish, Jewish whoopee. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> who looks, who appears to be more white than others. <laughs> um, that's all fine and dandy. But, uh, you know, you do protest for other reasons, then, you know, you're, you're the one to blame. And, you know, what, what's being called out here is the biasness yeah. and is of it, it all. Is it because the, the BLM protests and riots actually just give more aid to the power of the state and to the people that are, the people that are in power, the people in control of, the, of all the money? You know, you know, one of the one of the sides is seemingly aiming to take away some of the power from the state. And the other one, while they might talk about the evil state that's done terrible things in the past, what they would result in is actually just more power 
yeah. for the state. Yeah. Because power is money and you just want to give them more money. And Joe's calling me out for complaining about a two-tier system. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening isn't fair. I'm not saying that you get to act out, though, on your uh, on doing the same thing. Of course it isn't fair. Um, what's being well, you're saying what's, that we shouldn't have a two-tiered system. You we know? shouldn't have a two-tiered yeah. system. It shouldn't, uh, but also we shouldn't do the things that we disagree with doing just because somebody else is doing it. Yeah. You know, like. You're back on the truckers now. Well, I'm, I'm back <laughs> on this whole, um, what I, and we're going to have to debate maybe, Joe, here's, here's on a, this. Here's a, You're allowed down. to call out bias, biases, Okay. And I'm allowed to call out the fact that the way that they covered the trucker convoy versus how they covered BLM is completely skewed and biased and ridiculous. Okay. I am that, that is not unprincipled at all. But when I'm, but when I tell you that you're not allowed to restrict people's travel, um, that that's a principled stance on, you can be mad about how they cover things you can be mad about the biases, but you don't get to actually take action in a way that goes against your principles. It's completely two different things. I have a couple nuance points, and this will really come to being more hypocritical towards some of the maybe BLM protests that were blocking roads randomly. Not sur- I'm not talking about where you surround a car and then violently threaten someone and drag them out. Of the- That's not what I'm talking about. You know, I'd never support that. But when it comes to blocking roadways, we'll say like the truckers are doing. Like I was saying earlier, if Ottawa would have had a massive festival down there, they would have blocked off the whole thing. You know, people sh- just set up with semi-trucks with stages and what stuff What they should have done is just slowly you know? gone around the square. It's really because they didn't they get a permit. Just, you know? They could have just slowly kept, kept moving. Yeah. You know? And then if they got blocked by the police then for moving, the police's then fault. it's their fault. They exactly. caused it. Yeah. They're right. trying to move. But, um... You know, so if, if they if someone got a permit to block off all the roads down there, then they would have done it as long as they paid and got the right permit to do it, all of that stuff. Um, the government stops people from using those roads if you don't give the government money. You're not allowed to use them in the first place. So they really take away, you have to buy your freedom to travel in the first place. So do they even actually, does, does the government hold up to your freedom to travel, you know? Did they even ethically acquire the land where they have all those roads down there? Was it taken through eminent domain from people? I don't know. So what what someone said, I don't know who it was in the group earlier, that said you don't have a right to travel on those public roads. I, I think there's nuance to the conversation because we do know that they would they would block it off for other reasons if it weren't for this. And we know it really all comes down to what the people were protesting about. So it's not like the government says you're restricting people's rights to travel. So we have to arrest everyone because if the protest was for something else, say criminal justice reform or something like that, or was over someone being shot that they wouldn't have reacted in the same way that they did. Trudeau would have been down there talking to everyone. The actual thing that they're upset about is the fact that people were challenging their power that they have. Mm -hmm. And that's the most dangerous thing ever to a government, to someone not listening. You've noticed that Canada has taken away like most of their mandates that they have. You know, even Ottawa did. You don't have to show your vaccine passport or, any, or anything like that. And I think most of the provinces in Canada now, <laughs> they're going to get to a point where the only one remaining is the one that's on truckers. 
<laughs> That's yeah, it. Yeah. They're never going to take that one away. Yeah. It's going to be there forever. And look, do you know, do I think you were you and I were talking about this? Do I think that there's a time where we have to invoke the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> you know, that's yeah. yeah, possibly. And then you're, you know, you're obviously not using love to drive out hate in that scenario. Um, but I I don't think that time is now, at least in my in my opinion. If that, you don't um, like my opinion, that's fine. You don't have to like it. That is the question. Someday if you if the government becomes tyrannical enough you're going to do something that's going to restrict someone else's right to travel or to do whatever. And so can we always say that the government uh, should, that because those people are taking away that right, that the government can remove those people or they can arrest them or do whatever if they're, if they're resisting going away like that, uh, that JFK quote, those who make peaceful Revolution impossible, make violent revolution inevitable, I think is what it was. And that's a pretty good quote, you know, mm-hmm. as far as quotes go. That's that's a like quote, if I've ever heard of one. Yeah. And I get what you're saying, that it's not fair, obviously. That's obviously it's not fair. Um, it, they treat one group who are protesting for a certain reason completely differently than they tr- treat another group who's protesting for a certain reason. I get that it's not fair. I understand that, and I think that is maddening, and uh, it causes great anger. I'm upset about it, too. I'm upset that their bank accounts got frozen, that they even have that power to begin with. I'm upset that the mandates even existed. I'm upset that the government owns the roads, right? If if it was a private company who owned the roads, it would have been a completely different story. We wouldn't be having this conversation at all. Then you'd be trespassing so, on private property. Exactly. So then you could but scale it way back. Like if you want to talk about all these different things, but when you talk about what's the solution <laughs> to this, um, I d- Joe are, <laughs> I'm not going to Okay. <laughs> I, I was lost there for a second. Um, I don't remember what I was saying, but you know, it doesn't matter. What matters is, Oh, I was talking about solutions. When you talk about solutions, we can talk about all the things that are wrong with it. And we can complain about, how it's unfair, how they're treated and things like this. But what I'm saying to you is where I struggle with this and I don't know the right answer. I'm just telling you what I struggle with is, is having, is leaning on the side of compromising my principles because I believe in something. Yeah. Where we really struggle is, I mean, listen, there's... what I'm trying to do is take the emotion out of it and say, is it right to block traffic? Is it right to stop someone from freely traveling? Yeah. Regardless of the situation. That answer is no. It's that's not okay to do. I can't hold Nate down or stand in his way to keep him from going somewhere. What what I he was on my private property. What I'm thinking is becoming problematic here is we might eventually get to a point where that regardless of the situation, I understand the principle where that regardless of the situation is going to have to become a little bit more subjective because like we said, like what Joe Bizzle was asking, like what's the red line here? When do you do something to try and fight the government to, to actually get them to listen to you? You know, when did they cross the line? We've been talking about this for a while. Geez, the FDA probably causes hundreds of thousands of people to die every year because of drugs they don't allow to go onto the market. What's the friggin' line? We know that 40,000 people die a year every single time that the, that the unemployment rate goes up by a, by a percent. 
What is the line? How many hundreds of thousands to millions of people is it that becomes the line where it's okay to block a roadway in front of a government building? You know, I think what that's is a it? fair question. Yeah, that's a fair question. Uh, and I can honestly tell you, I don't know what that answer is yet. You well, know? I have certain things where I've drawn lines in the, in the concrete, uh, for myself and my family, um, where I will go down swinging. So you will block a roadway if they try to take your guns. Would you block a roadway then? What would you do? Possibly. <laughs> it's possible. You'll block your driveway. Yeah. <laughs> With yeah. a barricade. You may hole up on your dad's farm yeah. somewhere. There you go. That's the way to do it. We have plenty of guns out there. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. Well, let's uh let's get out of here. I don't think we're gonna solve this rubric today. No, and I look, I think it's a valid discussion. Um yeah. and I think it's okay not to know the exact answer. Um, obviously I think that's okay. Cause I don't know the exact answer. It's weird as if we could just get a protest against the government that wasn't completely full of Nazis and white supremacists, <laughs> you know, why, why, why does it seem to be that everyone who was against the power of the state also happens to be a white supremacist fascist, you know? We had plenty of peaceful protests. There was one here in Nashville where everyone brought their gun and they all said, let us go back to work, quit the mandates. And what did the Tennessee legislator do? They ended the mandates. They let I people go back to work. I wasn't there for that one. Yeah. I don't have guns. I lost them in the lake, so it would have felt out of place. But it was completely peaceful. They didn't block traffic. They all stood outside the Capitol building in standing room places. And, you know, it was, it was a fine protest on both sides. <laughs> so there were no deaths, no trash. Like it was a good, it was a good thing. And they weren't, they didn't have to block people to prove a point. So, and I understand why they're doing it. I do. I get it. I'm angry. I'm just as angry, but I, I just think at least for now, there's a better way and there may come a time and it's possible for these people that it was that time, Yeah. but this was the line in the sand that they had drawn and that was it. They're willing to go to jail or fight a war you know, they over the tyrannical powers of the government. I keep seeing stuff about a trucker convoy in the U.S., and it made me realize that we do have most of our mandates on local levels because they were talking about doing a trucker convoy in the U.S., and I was like, where would they go and what would it be for, I guess? Like, uh, I guess it would be for healthcare workers and, and stuff like that because the other mandate didn't pass. We don't have a federal mask mandate on anyone. I don't know what the rules are for truckers. Uh, but they can cross all the interstate lines and do all that stuff. So I was just thinking, like, where would they go to to pro? And what would it what would it be for the federal government to end all their mandates? Well, we still get all the states through there, you know, that are that are doing everything. It made me realize that maybe just because we're in Tennessee, I don't feel like I've been subject to any mandates this entire time. So that's pretty nice. I don't think we should have a trucker convoy here. I I I don't think it's over this anyway. I don't think it's time yet because the store shelves are annoying enough already. And I need my stuff. (laughs) I need my stuff. It is. Okay. Now, you know, I may, I could possibly sign my name to a, uh, you know, an air of grievances document that we send to the federal government of all the things that they have done Mm -hmm. uh, or continue to do that, um, you know, destroys freedom and liberty and, um, you know, have some type of organized thing where, you know, if that problem isn't solved, you get enough people on board. 
Um, Fed Up said, was I gone when the counties have mandates? So I live right on the line of Davidson and Wilson County. And everything that I do is in Wilson County. And then our office is in, are we in Rutherford? Rutherford. Right now. And so I don't go to Nashville proper. Or, well, I don't go to Nashville like Metro for anything. That's for tourists down there, man. I don't go down there and do anything. So everything I do is in Wilson County. Even the restaurants I go to all the time, they, they never have masks on at the, at the restaurants that my wife and I go to. Well, and the mandates for Davidson County didn't last long because the, t- the state of Tennessee put an end to that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember when, but they put an end to it. I remember going downtown one time and a cop on the street was like, you got to put your mask on. And I was like, okay. And then I went like two weeks later and every, no, it was maskless and the bars were packed. Yeah. And they were open until 3 a.m. again. So it didn't last very long as far as the local um, mandate was concerned. But yeah, I mean, for a few weeks at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody closed everything. I mean, everybody was scared to death. Everybody, even a lot of people that are coming out against it now, you know, they were all behind the 15 days to slow the spread. Which was never a good idea. Yeah, which was never a good idea. Mm -mm. All right. We worked from home in separate homes for a while during that time. That's when we literally thought that someone was sick, you know. Well, yeah. That was it. We had sickness in, in, yeah. in, our, in our houses, and so we weren't going to spread it with each other. So um, I live on the Davidson-Williamson County line, and Williamson never had any mandates either. So I do a lot of stuff in Williamson County. And If there were mandates in Wilson, I never saw them. I, I'll just say that. Nobody I followed I don't them. know what they Nobody were. Fo- I, went to, yeah. I went to a show at the T-Pack not that long ago where they – T-Pack itself had mask mandates and no one there was wearing a mask. It's on the sign was on the door, like mask mandate for T-Pack and nothing. Nobody was wearing one. I saw some ushers try to make people put on a mask. They just walked right by them (laughs) and they kept walking and you could see the look on the usher's face was like, okay, I give up because there's so many people without a mask. There's literally nothing they could do about it. Civil disobedience. But anyway, if y'all enjoyed today's show and discussion and debate and ideas that we aren't, that we don't know about, and I think that's fine. I think it's okay to say you don't know something and that it, that we need to discuss it further. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. Um, I'm learning every single day. I'm just an infant Chuck out here spreading ideas and, and putting my ideas on a microphone. And I'll tell you, I don't know something when I don't know. And also have a a nuanced discussion about what is actually the right decision to make. And so I, uh, I think that's important. And so if you enjoy that, or if you want to hate on me and disagree with my opinion, that's fine. Uh, Do that by going to goodmorningliberty.locals.com. So you can say it straight to my face in cursive. GoodMorningLiberty.Locals.com. It only costs you about five bucks a month. Going up to six dollars soon. That inflation is hitting us as well. So get in while it's five bucks and don't waste another dollar. And share the show with a friend, a family member, and the children and truckers. They need to hear this message. And if you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. You know the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know uh, uh, 